I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We've partnered with the Brain Gym Charity, helping to raise awareness and help find a cure. Thanks to our partnership, we've been able to create a short series of special podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who have been affected by those devastating diagnoses. You can hear those stories and more, including the Williams F1 team's planning director, Richard jones right now on your chosen podcast player the charity work all year round to help develop research and raise awareness and if you're looking to challenge yourself this new year why not sign up to the brain tumor charity's brain power challenge simply choose a challenge that will boost your brain health from meditation to 10k runs to mega sudoku and set your challenge to either silver gold or platinum difficulty level every penny you raise will be spent on the charity's medical research 250 pounds covers the cost of one day of world-class medical research into kinder and better treatments for brain tumours which really does make a difference follow the brain tumour charity on social media to learn more and to sign up boost your brain today to boost other brains tomorrow because a cure can't wait this podcast is brought to you by Rodin Cars. Based in New Zealand, but with a new HQ open in Donington Park in the UK, with the Rodin FZ, you have the keys to experience a whole new level of driving performance. A supercar like no other, giving you the chance to feel pure driving pleasure. Designed for easy maintenance, you could own the F1 lifestyle and strive for that perfect lap time with the Rodin FZ. There's plenty of purchasing options, including after-sale partnership, where your FZ is looked after on on and off track by an official Formula Racing team, storage and exclusive track access to Rodin's very own circuit in New Zealand. With Rodin and the Rodin FZ, you don't just drive a car, you experience the performance of an open-wheel, high-performance supercar. For more information on Rodin and how you can get involved, visit rodin-cars.com. Hello, my name's Tim Sylvie, and today we're joined by a woman who hails from Germany's largest state, Bavaria. And did you know, Harry that Levi Strauss, the German-American businessman that founded the first company to manufacture blue jeans, actually came from the Bavarian town of Buttenheim. Bavaria is also, of course, famous for being the home of Oktoberfest, which was actually started over 200 years ago to celebrate the marriage of a Bavarian crown prince called Ludwig. 
But over the years, it's morphed into a celebration of German beer and food and celebrated all over the world. Um, but, Harry, can you tell me what is Bavaria's capital? And I will give you four options because I appreciate that's a tricky question. Okay, okay. Is it A, Nuremberg, B, Vienna, C, Regensburg, or D, Munich? Oh, God. I, my geography's not good, <laughs> although I did do it for A-level. Um, <laughs> so the, the only one I haven't heard of was, what, what was the third one? Regensburg. Regensburg. I haven't, I haven't actually heard of Regensburg. So I, I'm, I'm going to go for the one I'd never heard of before as a sort of pun. So I'm going to go for Regensburg. You are absolutely wrong. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going down a good route there, like process of elimination, like who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, no. I've, I'm terrible. I'm, you know I'm bad at quizzes in general. The What's the answer? The correct answer is Munich. Oh, but that seemed too obvious. It seemed too obvious. One more really quick one for you, okay? Okay, okay. Um, Mozart, you know Mozart? I've heard of the man, yeah. Mozart's father was born Bavarian, true or false? True? It is true. Yes. His, his father, Leopold, was born in Augsburg, apologies for the terrible pronunciation, and lived there <laughs> until the family moved to Salzburg in Austria. And his name uh, is actually, well, Mozart's name is actually related to a small Bavarian village which used to be called Mozart, spelled M-O-T-Z-H-A-R-D. So there you go. Oh, you know of, what? Uh, that was actually really interesting for a you're, change. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> anyway, how are you? You've been messing around on the BBC, haven't you? Yeah, I'm presenting to, to kids all of a sudden doing science, yeah. uh, not geography. So uh, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, but yeah, doing some science experiments for, for, the, for the UK viewers. I don't know if you can get it in, uh, in other countries, but it's BBC Bite Size. If, you're, uh, in your, if, if you've got kids or, in, or you're in primary school and somehow are listening to this at the same time <laughs> and you need help with this science, um, go check it out. Go check how about out. you? Uh, what have I been doing? Not much. I, actually, I was at McLaren yesterday. I was, oh, yeah. uh, that? I was at the MTC. It was good. Um, there for meetings with um, one of the brands I work with, Hilton, um, through Right Formula. So I was down at um, the MTC, walking amongst the cars, all the historic F1 cars and stuff. So that was pretty cool. And, see Lando? Uh, I didn't see Lando, although I am interviewing um, Zach Brown on Monday. Oh, uh, again, put, down put at the MTC. Well, why can't we get him on the podcast? I intend Asking to use question. the opportunity to say, Zach, come on the podcast, um, yeah. to which he'll probably walk away. But, you know, we can but ask. <laughs> um, anyway, should we introduce today's guest? I think so. Let's so, do it. So today we're joined by Sophia Flersch. Sophia is a DTM and WEC racing driver making waves in motorsport on and off the track. We've seen her in Formula 3, Formula 4, Ginettas, and of course karting when she first started making her way in the sport all those years ago. She's never been one to be silenced or shy away from opinions. Um, we're here to hear her plucky views and we're all for free speech. So we cast a warm welcome to her. Sophia, welcome to the Motormouth podcast. Hello. I'm really happy to be here. And I love your German pronunciation. It's amazing. <laughs> is it, is it terrible? Oh, I bet it's rubbish. Is it completely <laughs> wrong? No, it's quite funny. It's really international. I mean, you have this accent, but um, it's good. It's good. It's just funny that you actually said Vienna in the first quiz because Vienna is not even from Germany. No, no it was a curveball. Yeah. Well, actually, thank God I didn't pick that one then. That would have been awkward. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you know about Mozart, though, crucially? No, I didn't. Uh, no, I didn't. See, not even, not even Sophia knew about that one. There we yeah. go. 
Uh, well, Sophia, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. First of all, whereabouts are you today? I, I presume you're not in Vienna or anywhere like that. No, I'm I'm actually at home in Munich. So I'm a Munich girl. Um, grew up with Oktoberfest. And yeah, I'm at home. <laughs> Amazing. Um, now, take us back. Uh, we'll, we'll dive straight into it, shall we? To the very beginning um, and sort of your, your formative driving years. When were you first exposed to racing what made you go right okay I want to get in a car I want to go racing I want to be a racer well I started with karting um, when I was four years old so um, I was actually on a closed karting track close to Munich so um, yeah it was I mean a hobby you know you just I just had fun and you just continue doing it um, and yeah at some point when you get older you then think about switching into cars and when I was 14 or I actually turned 14 and um, we were like, okay, should we continue karting or should we maybe try the route and in going into cars? And then, yeah, with 14, I stepped into cars and I actually did my first year in England with um, the Chinatic Junior Championship, which was an amazing year and um, super cool. Yeah, that, that was with um, HHC Motorsport um, yeah. 2015. And you actually um, took to it like a duck to water, getting a couple of wins and some podiums um, and became the youngest driver to win a Ginetta Junior race at Thruxton. You, you must have come into that um, not really knowing how it would go, but it's going very well. You must have been very pleased with your progress at that stage. Yeah, I mean, I was super happy. Karting in the last years, like before I ended, wasn't really going that great because I was actually really tall already for my age. And I mean, you know, I raced against Lando, who was really small. He was like two years older than me, but he was like three heads smaller than me. And karting, this is not really cool. So um, when I stepped into cars, I was actually enjoying it a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, it was going great. Got a double win in Thruxton. And, you know, coming from karting where there's no spectators, just the families around, going into, yeah, the program of BTCC, there were like, I don't know, thousands of spectators per weekend. It was, it was just incredible and such a cool experience. And, um, yeah, I loved England at, at that time. I mean, I know everyone always says there's always bad weather, but actually I was, I think I just had one rainy test day and that's it. Wow. So um, it wasn't Lucky. that bad. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you feel that pressure then when you were sort of racing around there and you had all those fans there? Because obviously you've got the pressure of wanting to perform, then suddenly you're being watched by loads of people. It's on the telly too. It's on you know national TV and internationally as well. Um, and also, you know, you're, you're thinking about all the other stuff as well, because budget, of course, is a constant thing, especially for young drivers. So how, how are you balancing it that at such a young stage? Uh, you know, when I was younger, I always just tried to focus on all what I was doing. And I, to be honest, just enjoyed it a lot. Um, I mean, you know, karting is already, already really expensive and I always needed partners and sponsors. But when you're younger, or at least my parents, they always try to keep those things away from me and they organize it or try to organize it. And I just did my job or my hobby, let's say. Um, and then obviously in Ginetta's in the beginning, no one knew me kind of because I was coming from karting. I was a German driver. So um yeah, I was female, so obviously there was some people watching me, but in the end, I could really do my my stuff. Just those wins and trucks, they changed it a little bit because, yeah, at some point, <laughs> I, I I won, and um, obviously media and fans, they all went crazy, and it was super cool to have. But I don't know, like, I think we had Alton Park or Croft afterwards, and um, it was also a good weekend, so I kind of, yeah, showed them again that I wasn't just lucky, I just... I'm quick. So, um, yeah, I don't know. When you're younger, I, just, I think you don't feel the pressure that much. It's yeah. just when you get older and 
now maybe a little bit more. <laughs> Did you uh, enjoy racing at Alton Park? And the reason I ask is because um, we had a podcast recently with the two guys who were responsible for redesigning the track at Yas Marina Circuit um, for the last race of last season in F1. Um, and uh, one of them, um, Ben, who who is a track designer by trade and was very influential working with Karun Chandok in Yas Marina Circuit, um, he said Alton Park was one of his all-time favourites. What what was it like to drive? Is that is that a track you enjoy? It's definitely a track with many corners and up and <laughs> she down. She hates it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, no, it's I mean, rubbish. To be honest, <laughs> it's a cool track. It's a really cool track, but I've just been there once, so we didn't even have a test day. It was just going straight into a race weekend. And um, yeah, I think there's better tracks, but um, it's obviously a really fun one, depending on the car you drive there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, fast forward, you, you jump up to um, ADAC F4 in 2016. You got points again in your first outing and you stayed in F4 for a couple of seasons, right? Um, you still managed some podiums and some fastest laps. Things are all looking good again. What are your memories from that point in your career? Do you look back on that with fondness? Well, um, I mean, to be honest, F4 was, was good times um, as a German driver. For me, it was clear that I wanted to try the way in fondness and um, F4 in Germany was yeah, the best option at that time. The grid was really, really strong. I mean, we had some weekends, we had more than 35 drivers. So um, it was it was really competitive. I did it for two years, actually. Um, on the second year, I got two podiums and yeah, it was, it was good fun. But then, um, yeah, you know, after two years of F4, you think, should I do it a third year or should I step up into two or three? Um, but 2018, I did my Abitur, which is A-levels or IB in, in right, Germany. yeah. In school so i was like planning to do a second or a third year in f4 to go for the championship um just because i knew the car it was in, it was the same tracks and with school i think it would have been easier but then um yeah the team options let's say which we wanted weren't able or were impossible so we then decided to skip racing for half a year and then go straight into f3 with um halfway through the season and um that's actually what i did in the end um which was i think also the right decision i could finish my school um luckily <laughs> and um then step up to to f3 uh, how was that then that, that step up to european formula 3 and actually at this stage did you have sort of an aim in mind of where you wanted to go or were you just sort of thinking right i just need to sort of make my way up up the formulas as far as i can get or were you thinking right i want to want to find a way in f1 or i want to go to gts or i want to do endurance or anything like that so my goal was um, to to get to F1 um, at that stage. I mean, I still, I think now I'm 21 and I'm still dreaming of F1. I think at that age, you can still dream of it. Um, but, you know, I think that's just the normal way, let's say F4, F3, F2, F1. Yeah. That's the route you go if you want to reach F1. Um, and, and, well, to be honest, when I stepped up to F3 in 2018, I didn't really have any expectations because I, I had two test days in that car before. Um, I mean, that car, I think if you talk to racing drivers who raced in those, yeah, the Lara um, F312, I think it was, or 18, um, it was just a beast. It was a super cool, good and cool car. And that year I raced, yeah, against really, really good drivers. Um, so I didn't really have any expectations. It was mainly about, yeah, getting kilometers, getting race experience to do it again the year after and then um, do the whole season, obviously, and the right preparation. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good year racing on the same weekends like DTM um, in 2018. So it was good to be kind of back in the German um, window. And yeah. 
And uh, 2018 was an interesting year for many reasons for you. Um, we have to talk about Macau. There you are yeah. racing in one of the most competitive and brilliant races on the planet. I mean, if, if people haven't watched that uh, Macau race, then you, you really must. Um, but the next minute, you are uh, no longer a racing driver. You're a pilot, and you're, you're flying through the air um, after coming off the road at over 100 miles an hour after mounting the sausage curbs. Take us through the moments leading up to that. And, and do you, rem do you rem remember the flying part? You know, how did it all unravel in your mind? Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously, Macau, the World Cup in F3 is, is an amazing event. And I think every Formula driver wants to do Macau at least once in, in their life. And I got the chance to do it already in 2018. So after half season in F3, I was, I was flying to Macau. And to, I mean, you prepare this track for like three weeks on the sim or even longer. And it's already crazy on the simulator. But once you step into the car in F3, you're like, Holy moly, <laughs> this is going to be fun. I mean, seriously, the track is just incredible. Um, but yeah, well, I was, um, yeah, we had the final um, and it was a safety car because there happened to crash, which was which was all going good. But then we had the safety car restart and, um, you know, my car has a really long straight and we have up until the first corner, you get a really good toe if you're <laughs> behind someone and I wanted to overtake the guy in front of me. But then, um, yeah, he braked or decelerated a little bit too early or earlier than normal. And in that moment, I went out, so I, I lost my two left side wheels um, and yeah, couldn't really do anything. And then you just wait until you stand again. I mean, in, in racing and formulas, you always learn it already really early to put your hands off the steering as soon as possible yeah. and to brake. Um, and that's what I did. And then I just waited. I mean... The video looks really bad, Oof. but in the end, in, in the car itself, it feels it happens so quick and you don't really, I mean, I remember everything, but it's just, yeah, you just wait. <laughs> so, you, yeah. You, you didn't come off unscathed, though, because you did get some uh, spinal injuries. But it seemed, even though, you know, you, you did suffer injuries and it was such a huge crash watching it, you know, off board, it seemed... You very you were very confident that you you know you'd allow yourself to recover and come back and and have that really positive attitude of right I'm just gonna you know keep going and, and I'm gonna get back to it. W was that always there? W was there ever any doubt, or were you just like okay I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be back? That's definitely happening. Yeah, no, for me it was always clear to come back. I mean, it was really important for me that um, I, it wasn't my mistake. So the FIA quick, really quick, actually, after the accident, they announced that it wasn't um, my mistake. So this was important for me. And it was also important that no other persons actually got badly injured. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was clear to come, to come back again. I mean, 100 days later, I was back in the same, well, the same car, but yeah, same chassis um, um, in, in, in Italy. And I enjoyed it a lot. I loved it. And I'm still loving it. And I mean, it just proved, I mean, obviously the video is really bad and I was really lucky. I know this, but in the end, um, it just proves, I think, how safe the cars are nowadays. Yeah. I mean, if you have a crash with 280 on the normal road, then it for sure looks different. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's my life since I'm four and I'm definitely trying to, to continue what I do. Yeah. What I love. It's, it is one of those crashes that you watch and go, oh, God, that hurt. I mean, it was it was a hell of an impact. Um, but you, of course, went back to Macau, did it again. Um, yeah. Did you, I mean, I've read about, uh, you know, and I've seen previous interviews of yours where you've talked about the crash and, and you do have a very much like, I'm just going to 
get on with it kind of attitude from that's how it appears anyway from the outside when when you went back to Macau was it even in your mind or were you just thinking no it's just another race here we go again um well I was well it's Macau so it's always a special event you know um for me it was actually special because I also drove the FIA three first time on that weekend so I never yeah I didn't race in that car so um no I mean Macau to be honest really is a really special track and the area the city the people it's all it's just Macau and I, I knew I wanted to get back into the car but I also knew I wanted to go back to Macau um and yeah that it happened already exactly one year later was was quick actually because we just signed the contract I think one week before flying to to Hong Kong um so it was really spontaneous and um yeah but to be honest it, it, it was great I mean that was really how I could actually close that book um for me it was also not really a big mental thing to go back there it was mainly the like the media and the journalists yeah. and all the fans asking me how it is like, how is it going into that corner? And this kind of makes you think about it. But apart from this, um, I was I was pretty confident and, and happy to be back. A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor, Rodin Cars. Rodin are a bespoke formula-style supercar manufacturer based in New Zealand. With their vehicle offering, this is the only place where you can truly live the F1 lifestyle. With the easy-to-run, Easy to maintain and even easier to drive Rodin FZ, you can live the dream of hunting down those final tenths of lap time whilst being fully supported by the team at Rodin who will provide you with after-sale care, storage options, exclusive use of their incredible track in New Zealand and, courtesy of Formula Racing Team High Tech Grand Prix, will run, set up and maintain your vehicle on and off the track. The Rodin FZ is a vehicle like no other, perfect for any true car aficionado in search for that elite performance to find out more head to rodin-cars.com i mean what a story yeah but you keep going as well as you said you mentioned fif3 and you got to race in that with campos and then you became the first woman to do so since the series rebranded itself but then at the same time that came a switch to to from single seaters to endurance racing and your first sort of proper uh, toe in that talk us through that period of time going from f3 racing that and then the move to endurance and to go, to end up at le mans i mean it's it's all it's all coming yeah well um 2020 was a special year i mean um, obviously covid came but also i did two yeah. programs i did fia3 with campus and i did elms and uh, the 24 hours of le mans with which i've been racing for the first time so it was a double program um and it was great. I mean, you know, formulas is something special. It's sprint races. Everything is about qualifying, actually, especially in F3. Um, and then I did endurance, where qualifying is nothing, and racing and <laughs> yeah, and fuel management, traffic management, all that stuff is is really important. So, um, yeah, it was many really good kilometers. I mean, the LMP2 is super, super good to drive. Um, it's really close driving wise compared to formulas um and i was i was happy to actually do my 24 hours of le mans debut already with 19 i think um at that time so um and we actually finished nine in our class so i think for three rookies on that car back in the days it was it was it was a good achievement and um yeah that's also the reason why i kept on driving with richard Mille racing for yeah last year in in Wecton. And you, uh, you did pick up uh, an overall podium um, in Portimao in European Le Mans. That, that must have been a, a, an amazing feeling. Yeah, I mean, last year um, I did, I did. So Richard Me Racing stepped up to 
to WAC. Um, and then I did one guest start, let's say, in the season final in Portimao with Algarve Pro Racing um, with Richard Bradley and, and Ferdinand Habsburg on the car. And we actually ended up on the podium and it was great. I mean, I loved it. Um, it was so good to have a podium again and Portimao, I mean, we were a little bit unlucky in the race. We had a tire puncture and all that stuff, but in the end, we still, yeah, got a trophy and everyone was happy and it was, it was, it was great. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you prefer one or the other? I know there's such different types of racing, but endurance or sprint? Well, it's probably still sprint. Um, I mean, yeah, probably still sprint. It's just it's just so difficult to say. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible so question. Yeah, <laughs> it is actually. <laughs> well, in, in which case, then, so you, you're doing the endurance, and then also we've seen you in DTM, which yeah. I've always had had a, a soft spot for throughout the years. Um, how, how have you found that experience? Obviously, it's, it's changed to the, the GT3 cars as well now. Uh, how do you look back on your, your campaign there? Yeah, well, so I don't know, but the past two years I've done many switches from formulas to endurance <laughs> and to GT3. You can do it all. Yeah, I can do it all. Um, multitasking, no, but um, I mean, it was it was a great season. I, as a German driver, you always kind of wish to drive DTM, and um, I got the chance last year thanks to Scheffler, and we, I think, did the best out of it. I mean, um, yeah, it was something, it was like a new area for DTM as well with the GT3 cars coming from class one cars. I would have wished to drive the class one cars actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, GT3 is is completely different. Again, you have ABS, you have traction control. Um, it's kind of like karting because you can touch each other again and you can, yeah, lean on some other's cars. And, you can get your uh, elbows out, can't you? Yeah, in, in DTM, it's, it's yeah. cool. I mean... If the cars, yeah, well, I prefer formulas or prototypes just because they're quicker and not so heavy. Um, but the racing is fun. It's really funny. Yeah, so, I, re- I really hope that the, the class one, we see them again at some stage because that was just a bit of a golden era, I thought, for, uh, for DTM. It was great. I mean, class one cars, they were just super quick and super cool to drive. I think for racing drivers, they are amazing. But um, for teams, and because you don't have manufacturers anymore, um, I think it's, yeah, for it's, DTM, it's, not, it's yeah, probably it's... the right way to go. Um, just BOP sometimes can be annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you've, just stepping back into the LMP2 territory, you you tested fairly recently in Bahrain for a rookie test, and you're obviously very good at this because you came yeah. top. I mean, it must have been very satisfying. I know it's a test, but it still must leave you with a certain amount of satisfaction leaving that test knowing that you were the quickest. 
Yeah, um, it was it was a really good day. I mean, I don't know, the last half of last season was actually really good. Um, Norris winning DTM final was perfect with getting my second points in, in DTM. Then I went to Portimao, got the podium um, in the LMS in the LMP2. Then we went to Bahrain. I did quali for Richard Mille. We got P6, which was the best um, quali result we had throughout two years, actually. And then I did the rookie test for WRT. Um, the Sunday after the last round of WEC and it was sick. I mean, this car is just incredible. And I actually, um, on the evening, I told my dad, Papa, I know what I want for Christmas. And that's yeah. <laughs> the season after. Um, not just, I think if you, I mean, if you don't get on the podium with this car, it's just, I don't know what you're doing wrong, but it's <laughs> incredible. I was like, I had a, I mean, it was a six hour test day. I think I stepped out once in six hours. And wow. just that smile on my face the whole time. It was incredible. Oh, so cool. And obviously to be on top and like P1 is, is super cool and a plus point. Wow. I mean, oh, you've driven so many cool cars. And, and actually just, I just popped into my brain because we had Timo Block on uh, a few months ago, I think. And he was saying, obviously someone who's been quite competitive in, in the class one DTM era switching to GT3. I don't think people realize how hard that is, especially when you're not used to it. They're such different cars, as you were saying, to, to get to grips with. So to, to jump in and out of these different... You know, Formula Touring, GT3, LMP cars. It is so impressive, which leads me on then. What, what's the plan for this year? Is there is there a 2022 campaign lined up? Are you hoping uh, for anything? I know if you can't reveal anything, don't feel pressured. But, you know, if uh, it, what what would be the dream, hopefully, for this this season? Yeah, well, I I, I cannot reveal any, anything. <laughs> but um, in the end, um, you know, I was, I said it already last year, for sure my goal is to kind of stay in endurance. Um, and this is also... Yeah, how it's looking um, to do Le Mans again and um, yeah, to get some podiums and maybe wins there. Um, and other than that, I mean, DTM was, is still my plan as a German driver. I think it's a really good platform to be on and um, we're still working on it. But um, yeah, there's some clashes, sadly, with endurance races this year. So we'll need to see. But I think it's for sure going to be a good choice we're going to do in the end and I'm really looking forward to 2022. Oh, that's exciting. But you're still very young. I mean, how old are you? 21? 21, yes. 21. So you, you've still got so much of your career left and you've already done so much. What's, looking beyond 2022, what is the long-term goal still? Is there still a dream to make it to Formula One? Yeah, yeah. So the goal is for sure to get back to Formulas at some point. Um, yeah, we'll see, you know, in racing, you always have to think from year to year. And my issue a little bit is that I don't have parents who can pay me everything. So yeah. I always need partners and sponsors, investors, I don't know. So, um, yeah, obviously, I'm going to try to find some people helping me out to get back to formulas again, um, because F1 for sure still is the dream. And I think I can still dream of it when I'm that young. So, yeah, yeah we'll try my best. But other than that, just got to try to make everything or the best out of every single year. Yeah, no, fing it's fingers so, crossed. So exciting, isn't it? Now, we have got to ask you, of course, because you've been quite vocal on a few things within motorsport, particularly the W Series. And as we've discussed, you know, you are a female making your way up in the ranks and what's been, you know, it is still a male-dominated uh, sport. How do you view things now, such as the W Series? It's had a bit of time to grow. We've had other sort of races up from there. And, and those who have never, you know, well, I think we had Catherine Legg on, who never saw that opportunity in her life. So it, she never got that. And it's just been sort of making her way up the hard way, I suppose. How do you look at things like that now? Well, uh, to be honest, my opinion about W Series didn't really change. I mean, in the end, you know, I'm, I'm 
also a woman in this sport, I know how hard it is to find partners and sponsors. Um, it's a really tough thing. And I'm really happy for every single woman or girl who is able to race against again because of that series. I mean, yeah, I understand every single girl doing it because otherwise they couldn't race. But in the end, I think just how the series promotes them or themselves is just wrong in my opinion because they say they bring the next woman to F1 which is just not going to happen because I mean the series the cars which in which they're racing I mean I race with those cars as well they are between F4 and F3 so every single winner needs to do F3 afterwards racing against men again and F2 and then you you see you know so the promotion for me is just wrong and the goals they say to the outside world are just if it would be that easy, um, I think there would have been a woman already in F1 back in the times, you know. So um, that's just wrong in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I mean, I always said that I'm not going to do it. I will never do it just because I think, yeah, I, I have other options which I try to use and which I for sure, which make me a better driver. I think in the end, you always have to compete against men again. And um, in the, sadly, right now, men are the best in our sport. And that's where we win and lose against and, and where we also learn the most. So, um, yeah. And I imagine, actually, competing in endurance as well, where you're obviously sharing the car with, you know, one or two other drivers, that must be so useful, especially for someone so young in their career, because you've got to be open, you've got to be honest, you've got to share. And, and, and the people you're working with are, are more experienced in endurance at times. So that must be super useful, not just for race by race, but in your yeah. career in general. Yeah, for sure. I mean, endurance racing 2020 was something completely new, you know, in formulas, you're completely stubborn and you're arrogant because it's your car and you want your car to be set up how you want it. Mm. Um, but in endurance, everything is about like finding the perfect way for three drivers and um, kind of also, yeah, taking your opinion back sometimes and just being like the team player. So um, it's 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 a complete different side of, of motorsport um, where you not just grow as a racing driver, but also as a person, I think, and it makes you a better team player, which is also for sure benefits um, in, in, in normal or say sprint races then. Now, um, you've, I read uh, somewhere, I think it was Wikipedia, that you, name, oh, you, you give your cars names. So uh, you, you've, <laughs> got, right, you, you've got, you had a car called Paul yes. and, and a car called Hugo. So uh, my two-part question, sort of two-part question. First part, what, what's with the naming of the cars? Second part, can you call your next two cars Harry and Tim? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, it comes from Fettel, actually. So I was always like, when he had his winning time in F1, I was always a Fettel fangirl, and he always gave his cars um, names female names, but names. That's right. So when I stepped up into cars, um, I gave my cars also named Paul was actually the Ginetta Junior car because of Paul Walker, <laughs> the, the actor, you know, from Fast and Oh, Fury. yes, yeah, yeah. And um, then Hugo was my first a four-year car. And last year, for example, the DTM car was Johnny Fred. So always different <laughs> stories behind. <laughs> yeah. Always different stories behind, but they always have to be male, obviously. Obviously. Um, so yeah, I will. I will see. I mean, uh, yeah, Tim and Harry. You know, it's not that extraordinary. So I what, to... Paul? <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! In Germany, Paul is actually a big name. Really? <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna, nobody's called... very. 
Nobody's, Very German. Nobody's but... called Paula anymore. I don't know any Pauls. Like, where, yeah, where, oh, well, I do. Really? I know. I know Paul the Rester. We're best friends. Yeah, true. So, uh, <laughs> you wish you were best friends. You just camp outside his motorhome. Actually, and... I, I noticed a bit when you said Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. So as now, now I, I'm a commentator over in the UK. So I, I did Porsche Super Cup last year, and I'm, I'm doing some of the, the support stuff and, and obviously talk about F1 a lot. Should I be saying Vettel or Vettel? Well, in Germany, it's Vettel. Vettel. There you go. Because I do know Crofty does sometimes do the Vettel, but he doesn't do it. Doesn't do it consistently. So it's, I'm never, <laughs> it's always it's always one up for debate. I think, but it's good to know. I think I'll try Vettel. Just yeah. Vettel yeah. Well, with yeah. the Germany, F instead. Give it a yeah, German twang. You'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we'll look we we'll look forward to seeing Tim and Harry on track this year in in whatever yes. you end up racing in. So we'll, we'll hold you to that. Now um, we understand that you're a, a very good skier. I think I actually saw something on um, on social media recently of you skiing. Yeah. Do, do you have any other hidden talents? Is there anything else that you're really good at? outside of uh, a race car well really difficult question so skiing i'm actually pretty good in and i i think you saw the pictures because i went with a racing helmet and my suit and stuff yeah. uh, <laughs> skiing, which was really funny everyone was looking at me like she lost a bet i was like no i didn't <laughs> um hey, it saves you buying ski stuff true. so uh, there you go win-win <laughs> yeah. no about hidden talents i don't know i was really good at math when i was oh. in school um but yeah, well, that's it, kind of. I'm not good at parking, so I would I would skip that one. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just skiing. What what, are, what about uh, what are you completely crap at? Is there something you're totally useless at? Yeah, parking probably. Park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But apart from this, and yeah, singing, I think I'm not the best as well. But I do it always, so I'm really sorry for my sister. She always has to step up when I'm in the car. <laughs> You're not you're not actually the only racing driver that said they're awful at parking. I think it was Alex Brundle who said he can only park yeah. with uh, a camera, which I can I can't. I, I, since yeah, since cameras come into cars, that's the only way I could park. It's awful. Yeah, I cannot park with a camera as well. I don't trust oh. those things. So I, I just don't trust them. I I mean I'm not I can do it now, but when I did my when I got my driver license, I was really shit, like really shit. But now I'm I'm not bad, but I just don't trust those new things. You know, I'm really old school. I'm with it. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally on board so, with that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, so well, now we're getting to the stage. Now getting towards the end, where we just sort of ask you a few few random um subjects. Obviously, you said you were a um a Fettel fan. Are, are you still a Fettel fan? Are you watching Formula One? Are you engaged with it? Well, well, obviously I'm watching F1 um, when I'm back home, not racing. Um, but, well, Vettel, I mean, he's a German driver, so you always always follow him. But right now I'm more like a Hamilton, I wouldn't say fan, because, you know, when you're older, you get closer to F1, you know some of those F1 drivers. I mean, I know yeah. Lando, I raced against him in karting, I know Max. So it's strange to have, like, a, yeah, role model when you know someone. Um, so, yeah, it's just I think you try to take some things out of every single driver and you try to just yeah yeah what's yeah. Are, are you are you excited for how sort of the, if it's a brand new season it's they're all got the car's gonna look totally different it's new regulation do you think it's gonna be better racing i hope so i mean already last year was great um yeah, there was a true. battle again between two different teams or more teams actually actually so um i'm really curious to see how it's gonna go it's many race weekends jesus a lot of traveling for them yeah, but yeah. um yeah it's gonna be a good season i think i hope so um, what are you watching on Netflix? On Netflix, right now? Yeah. Right now, uh, actually nothing. <laughs> I have this, you know, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I don't know. 
I'm strange maybe, but sometimes I have like this phase in my life or in, in the year where I'm just reading books. And then I have this phase of just watching Netflix. And right now, because I'm at home, not having a season, I'm like reading books again. So yeah, I'm oh. not watching Netflix. So actually, so right? what, what books are you into at the moment? Thrillers. Ooh. Yeah, I need I need to get back into reading. I've got Murray Walker's book that I'm trying to read, but I'm so bad at reading. I, I get distracted so easily by Netflix. I so do. I, I do. I can't do. I can't sit down and focus. A, I don't have the time because the kids just sap my my life from me. So there's no spare time. But I just can't. I don't have the patience to sit and read. I can quite happily listen to a podcast, but reading, no, it just doesn't sink in with me. At all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. I don't know. Sometimes I'm the same, and sometimes I'm like, no, I need a book now. So. Um, yeah, right now I need a book. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. Any recommendations? We'll we'll fire them your way. Um, we we have a final three questions which we ask all of our guests. They're always um, the same, and they're brought to us by our friends F One Experiences. And we have our final three questions which we fire off to all of our guests, which are brought to you by our friends at Rodin Cars. Shall I kick off, Harry? Go for it. Number one, what has got you excited at this very moment? Uh, just being able to share the news for this year and, um, yeah, all the feedback I get from fans and, and journalists and racing world. So I'm really looking forward to 2022. When does the, when, when, uh, when is the news for this year? I hope in the next two weeks. In the next two weeks. Okay. I'm just trying to think when this podcast goes out. But... <laughs> when we can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, well, we're really excited either way to, to hear what, what your news will be, and we're glad there is news as well. Um, what is, then, your favourite race destination for any any reason? Um, I probably have two favourite race destinations. That's first Macau, just because the track is incredible. And then um, probably Le Mans. Yeah. During night, oh, it's just it's wow! Just sick. It's just crazy. Well, actually, you had you had a pretty. We didn't talk about that. You had a pretty scary crash last time, didn't you? At, um, in the night, yeah. where you sort of you were across the the one which was was it on a straight one of the um, yeah. Well, it was before yeah. Porsche curves. Yeah, well, that was scary to watch because yeah. no, because it's because it's so dark. Even the cameras can't really pick up what exactly has happened. That must have been a, a nervy moment. Yeah, I mean, it was it was starting to rain. It was just got getting night actually, and um. Yeah, it was a really unlucky race ending for us, to be honest. And of of course, like you have a crash like this and then you have all the onboard cameras on. <laughs> so yeah, they had like everything. So um, yeah, again, a lot of video footage from this one. But um, yeah, it was just super sad to end a 24-hour race that early in the race, you know. I mean, you work one and a half weeks there, day and night yeah. to prepare for 24 hours and yeah. then it ends so early. So it's, bah. Ah, bummer. It's a lot of break. Right, your final question before we let you get back to your day. What are you scared of? Spiders. Mm. Oh, <laughs> she was quick with that spiders. one. Yeah. Straight in yeah. there. Yeah. Well, even like little little, little house no, ones no, no, or like, like tarantulas like or any of them. It's just like one centimetre big. I, I go crazy. What happens? Crazy. Do, do, because do, I'm with you. Do, I'm absolutely uh, with you. Harry, you are pathetic with spiders. <laughs> I, can't do, I can't do any but a bug and I'm just a bit like, get it, get it the hell away. Wasps... Oh, no. Uh, the wasp thing is so weird. And I find it even more weird that you've never been stung by a wasp. But everyone, everyone has been stung by a wasp. Have you, Sophia, have you been stung by a wasp? I think so. What? No. 
It's not a normal... If you can avoid it, I would say that's advisable, but... (laughs) I remember getting stung by wasps all the time when I was a kid. Like, every summer, I would, like, drink a Coke can, there'd be a freaking wasp in there, it'd sting my tongue. Yeah, just... Yeah. I think spiders is is a fair shout. We've had some deep ones as well, but I think spiders is is an everyday scare, which I would absolutely uh, agree with you on there. Um, Well, look, Sophia, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to have a chat with you. Thank you for, for making the time for us. It's been great to sort of delve into your career so far. And we're really excited to see uh, what the pipeline is, not just for uh, for this season, but for the seasons beyond. But uh, Sophia yeah. Flersh, thank you so much for joining us on the Motormouth podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Before you go, one final reminder to check out Rodin Cars. Forget a one-off experience. With Rodin and the Rodin FZ, you can become and live the life of an elite performance driver. With your very own Rodin FZ, you'll be able to drive a truly remarkable supercar. Hunt down lap time and search for ultimate performance. A solo cockpit, but never alone. With Rodin's incredible after-sale partnership, you'll be looked after on and off track with an official Formula Racing team running and maintaining your vehicle. And as an exclusive owner of a Rodin car, you'll get exclusive access to their circuit in New Zealand. So what are you waiting for? To find out how you can own the F1 lifestyle, find the perfect racing line, enjoy the thrill of a roaring engine and experience the purity of driving, visit rodin-cars.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too. So make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumours quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.